Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. As always, this week, another super amazing guest for you. We have Reagan Moyer-Jones. In 2006, Reagan co-founded Aiden and Anae, the baby lifestyle brand globally recognized for its high quality design driven muslin swaddles and baby products. Reagan continued to work full time as a sales executive while building Aiden and Anae until May 2009 when she left to run Aiden and Anae. She sold the company in 2013 and continued as the CEO until 2017. In 2014, Reagan was named as one of EY's Entrepreneurs of the Year. Aiden and Anae was also named Smart CEO's 2015 Future List and Crane's New York Business Fast 50 List for three consecutive years. In 2012, the company was listed at number 377 on the Inc. 5000 list, having achieved a three-year growth rate of 987%. Reagan has most recently co-founded St. Lunar Spirits, a premium moonshine brand that was released in the United States in June 2019. And she also sits on the board of directors for Hopeland, which is a non-profit created to pioneer innovative solutions and build new partnerships to prevent family separation. Reagan is also the author of What It Takes, How I Built a $100 Million Business Against the Odds. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, this week we have another special guest for you. We have Reagan Moyer-Jones. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thanks, Catherine. Nice to be here. Nice to have you. And we were just actually comparing out how cold it is at your end of the world and it's actually summer at my end of the world. Exactly. Is- Snow on the ground out here in New York City for mm-hmm. sure. Amazing, amazing. So, Reagan, the way that we love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So, tell us, how did you get to where you are today? 
Well, as I just mentioned, I now live in New York City, where I have been for the past 22 years. And when I moved over here from Sydney back in the late 90s, 97, doing my math there, uh, I came over with my then boyfriend, now husband. And when I got here, I didn't have a visa to work. So I was kind of finding my way around for a few years. I ended up working at The Economist for 10 years uh, in sales. And during that time in 2003, I had my first of my four daughters, an A. And when I had an A, I went looking for muslin wraps, as they call them in Australia. And Americans had never heard of what I was talking about. And I just thought, you know what, how can every Aussie have this wrong? Because I, all the people I knew, including my sister, who had had a baby six months before me, used 10 of them a day with her baby. And, uh, and I just saw a, a huge opportunity to introduce a new product to the States, which I did, and that happened. It took me until 2000. I had the idea in 2003. It took me till 2006 to kind of work out how to, to make the blankets and really start a business from scratch because my background was sales, not, not running a business. And I did that, went to market in 2006 and sold the business in 2013, um, at which point, you know, we were doing about $80 million in revenue globally. And the business now, I think, does about $120 million in revenue every year. So my muslin swaddle idea worked out for me. Wow. And for our listeners, uh, we were having a chat. You also have a, another product called Saint Luna, which is charcoal filtered moonshine. So talk us th through that. How did you transition from uh, baby wear to the moonshine? Well, the, the, the shitty part of my story is that I brought on investors in 2013 when I sold the business and I um, but I bought back into my own business. I'm still the single largest individual shareholder in Aiden and A. But very long, sordid story short, the investors and I did not see eye to eye on the way forward with the business. And, um, and because they had the controlling interest, they ended up firing me last year. I stayed on as the CEO after I sold the, the majority share to them. And so I uh, could see the writing on the wall before I was actually walked to the door and started to think about what could be next. And interestingly enough, a, a colleague and a good friend of mine said, hey, we've got I've got our next business idea. It's moonshine. And again, very long story short, the the reason that we sort of went into it is because, you know, the liquor industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, as you can imagine. And moonshine was a fairly uncharted category within it where I felt you could really disrupt that category and make a difference just the same way as I, you know, created a new market segment with muslin swaddles everywhere in the world outside of Australia. So it just seemed like a good opportunity to, to do something a bit different and, and have some fun building something from scratch again.
Mm. And you also have a book, What It Takes, How You Build a $100 Million Business Against the Odds. Talk us through that one. Well, I uh, I had no intention of writing a book. I was approached by a literary agent who had listened to a few of my interviews and sort of followed what I was doing with Aiden and Anae. And uh, she thought my story would be worth telling. And so after much convincing, I agreed to write the book, which again was interesting because I finished writing the book right as I got fired. So I had to call my publisher and be like, ah, just a heads up, I might have to change the ending. So, um, but the book, I really wrote it because I wanted other women particularly, but entrepreneurs in general, to realize that, you know, you don't have to know it all going in. I literally Googled my way to $40 million in revenue for Aiden and Anae. I was just became a sort of a mini expert in all the things that I had to do to grow the business. So I really wrote the book to be motivational for other women and entrepreneurs who are sort of wary about taking that leap into an entrepreneurial journey because they they're not quite sure that they've they've got what it takes to do it and basic my book is the premise of the book is if I can do it anyone can do it if you want it badly enough Mm. and so during your adventurous journey what has been some of the greatest lessons learned thus far through my entrepreneurial journey yes it, I would say by far and away the biggest one is that I think hard work is the key to success beyond anything else, beyond smarts. Uh, I think if you're prepared to work hard, hard enough, you will make it happen if you want it badly enough. Um, humility is absolutely essential because I worked out very quickly that I needed to surround myself with people who were way smarter and more talented than, than I was to be successful. So that was a big part of it as well. And I think that a lot of people fail in that respect because they are threatened by surrounding themselves with people who, you know, are more talented than they are in, you know, knowledgeable, intelligent, whatever you want to say. Um, and the other thing I, I guess is that it's, it's if you don't have absolute passion for what you're doing, I don't think you're going to make it. Um, you've got to want to get out of bed every day to do what you do because you're inevitably going to be throwing a whole lot of curveballs along the way and hit some really tough times. And in those situations, the only thing that really gets you through, I think, is your passion and love for what you're doing. So when you were saying working hard, are you talking about some when you're actually in business? Because um, you were saying about uh, building a $100 million business against the odds. What were the odds for you to work so hard? Well, it was that, you know, I didn't have a business background. You know, I dropped out of university. I didn't have the credentials or the piece of paper that, that sort of gave me credibility in the business world. Um, I was a woman, am a woman. That's uh, sadly still, you know, uh, a back, back foot when I think you're starting a business and trying to convince people to write your checks and things like that. So 
you know, I think the odds were someone like me, you know, I, I often say to people, you know, I am so average, you know, really an average person. There is nothing special about me, yet I've been told that statistically what I did, like 0.02 people on the planet actually make that happen. Um but as I point out, if you knew me before I had built Aiden and a name to the global brand that it is that people know today, you would have gone, yeah, pretty average. She's probably unlikely going to be able to make something like that happen. Um, so it's it's really just the, the whole against the odds thing was that, you know, if you had have looked at me at the beginning of the journey, most people would have gone, yeah, I, I don't know that I'd take a bet on that that person. So what was that driver for you? Because there was obviously a lot of persistence, a lot of determination, a lot of grit. What was that driver? You talked about passion, but what exactly was that for you? It's a great question. I, I think that there was definitely an element of wanting to prove to people that I could do it because I was pretty easy to dismiss. I don't take myself very seriously. As I said, I didn't have the credentials. Um, you know, my my boss at The Economist right before I, I left to work on Aiden and Anae full-time because I started to build the business while I still had my full-time job at The Economist and I did that for three or four years and didn't quit my day job until I got the business to a million dollars in revenue. And right before I walked out the door, my then boss, he didn't like something I had said and lost his mind at me over it and, and said to me that what would I know I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body, which is kind of hysterical given he said that when I'd already built a million dollar business in the background while still doing my day job. Um, so... I think there was definitely what what drove me was the need to prove to to people that had doubted me along the way of my career that I was capable of doing more. But I think really the biggest driver for me was just to prove to myself that I could do it. And once I only had me to rely on, you know, there was there was, you know, there was no disputing if I made it happen that I made it happen because of me. Mm. And, Reagan, would that be a, a piece of advice for those entrepreneurs that are listening that maybe are working an idea to actually uh, be able to balance the two? Like you had a full-time job plus building this massive business. How did you manage that without burnout? Uh, lots and lots of wine. There was definitely that. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, it was, again, it went back to the passion. I was just truly passionate about what I was doing because I had I had a full-time job. I was building Aiden and Anae from like 8.30 at night till 3.30 in the morning. And I had three of my four daughters at that point too. So I had a very full plate. And I don't want to paint the picture that it's in any way easy you know, my hair was falling out. I was so tired. You know, I I had friends and family questioning whether it was all worth it and asking me to quit sort of thing. But it was just the the passion for, for what I was doing that sort of, you know, kept me going in the end, um, which I'm very glad I did because it obviously all worked out great for me. 
Mm, wow, that's a lot of drive there. So, Reagan, what do you think is one quality that every entrepreneur must have to succeed? An exceptional work ethic. Mm, and what does that look like when you're talking exceptional work ethic? It's 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 exactly what I lived, and that is, you know, I going into the experience, I never imagined how hard I was going to have to work to to get a you know a business off the ground from my kitchen table in the middle of the night. It becomes all consuming, and I also was very cognizant of the fact that my girls did not sign up for an entrepreneurial mother, so I refused to cut into their time, which is, you know, I uh, effectively I chose sleep deprivation over putting any financial hardship on my family and the business as well. So I think that, you know, the you you just have to be prepared to throw every spare second of your day, night, time into building your business in the early stages because when you don't have capital to hire other people and you're doing it all yourself, there's just no other way. Mm, wow. So, Reagan, the other thing that we love to ask our women of inspiration is pain points. We believe everyone has pain points. What would be a pain point of yours in business and how do you find a solution to your pain point? Look, a very practical and frustrating pain point for me, and I know that this is still very common, is it's really tough for women entrepreneurs to get early funding. You know, the majority of the VC money or even seed money goes to male-founded businesses. So that, um, you know, that is definitely a huge pain point for any woman trying to start and build their own business. And, you know, the way around that is for people like me and people who have built businesses to continue to talk about it and jump up and down and point out just how ridiculous it is that anyone who has the ability to write an entrepreneur a check would second guess that because the person they're writing it to is a woman. Mm. And we just had a guest on the show, Mickey Agarwal, who was talking about exactly the same thing. And what mm -hmm. she did, she actually uh, invested her time and energy finding a male CEO to get the funding that she required. I know, and isn't that just messed up on so many levels? It, yeah, so. it is. It's 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 horrible to even think that. But you know, as she was explaining, we have to us women as entrepreneurs have to play the game. Absolutely, you do. You do what it takes to get it done. You know, and and that is definitely part of it. But you know, it's it's just one of those catch twenty two situations, right? Because. I would hope that in my daughter's lifetime we are living in a world where you don't need to go hire someone with a penis to make sure you can actually grow your business. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So you succeeded. So what was your trick? What did you do? To my success? Yeah. Like you're talking about, you know, uh, being successful with funding and business as a woman entrepreneur. What was your trick? Well, I did it a little bit differently in that I kind of spent a good three or four years scratching and clawing, just borrowing money off friends and family and friends of friends, you know, 
for as long as I could to keep the lights on. It was it was a hard way to do it, and it wasn't an ideal way to do it because it's very time consuming and I never really had enough money to keep up with the demand. But nonetheless, I wasn't prepared to give away equity early on because I was fiercely protective of that. So I kind of did it that way. And then in all honesty, and I think any entrepreneur that you talk to, and I'm sure you've had this experience in your own journey, is there were there were many serendipitous moments that sort of fell into place for me to to achieve the success that I did. And one of the biggest was I was introduced very early on to incredible investors, my first investors, Seidler Equity Partners. And they were introduced to me by a friend um, whose wife was a, a friend of mine and a small minority investor in Aiden and NA. And I was introduced to them and they ended up writing me my first sort of major check and coming on as my investors. And that was really the, the catalyst for me to, to really sort of grow the business exponentially as soon as I had their money behind me. Mm, so, for our entrepreneurs that are listening to this show right now, what would be a piece of advice you'd like to give them? Because obviously it's it's about never giving up. Yep. And um, The other piece of advice is, oh, sorry, go, go on, Catherine. No, no, go, go, go. I, I was going to say that the, the one that pops straight into my mind is, you know, listen to your gut. It's a very real thing if you sit quietly and truly follow your intuition, it never leads you astray. And the couple of times I stupidly didn't and I went against what I felt in my gut, I regretted it. So I would say that, and you know, and and I think that that's fair to say that if you can tap into that skill as a human that serves you well in life as well as business, you know. I think we've all experienced that, Reagan. I think we've all every now and then just uh, had a gut feeling and probably just didn't listen to it and the, the hard way. But I think that's part of the process, isn't it? You live and you learn. Absolutely. Mm. So as an entrepreneur and a very successful entrepreneur, what do you think is the number one reason most uh, entrepreneurs or individuals fail to succeed in business? I think the, the the biggest and the first one is that people have ideas, think that they haven't got a clue how to execute on the idea and therefore just don't follow through with it. Like I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've met over the years who have said, you know, oh, I've got this idea and, well, you know, and I guess I use the term entrepreneur lightly in that sense because, but people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, right? And um, they have these ideas and they're like, but I just don't know where to start. And I was like, well, neither did I. I, I didn't have a clue how to make a muslin blanket when I started Aiden and Ana. I just sort of put one foot in front of the other and, and worked it out as I, I went along, you know? So I think that that's probably one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they, because they don't have a clear roadmap of how to get to where they want to go, they just don't follow through with it at all. 
Mm. And so you're saying um, you don't really you, need to have a plan. You don't need to know it all. It's just taking that one step at a time and allow it to lead you to your destination. A hundred percent right. Like there was, it was years and years into the business when it was doing tens of millions of dollars in revenue that I started to put in sort of real plans and and everything. For the first probably five years or so, it really was. I would just get up every day and do whatever was thrown at me that day to move the business forward. You know, it just it wasn't about and you know and. And as I said, I literally, and this is not a joke, it's the truth. I Googled my way to, you know, $40 million in revenue because I didn't know what I was doing and I couldn't afford to hire the the experts that, you know, I needed to run those areas of the business. So I just sort of taught myself along the way. And I also hired people that were like me who were smart and had a lot of common sense and worked their asses off to get a job done or to learn what they didn't know. And so, you know, the first sort of dozen hires, most of them weren't skilled in any one area of the business. They were just people that wore many hats and and did whatever it, it took to sort of learn what needed to be done to move the business forward. That's really cool. I've not heard that before. And most of the time you hear people, uh, individuals will hire people that are talented in their specific skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then outsource working with their strengths, but actually outsourcing their opportunities, or as you mentioned before, for um, outsourcing um, uh, work to more talented individuals. Mm-hmm. So, what was the prerequisite for you to select these individuals that were obviously good at um, you know many different things? Again, a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before, but there was really, and it's not even I think that I realized what I was doing when I was doing it. It just intuitively felt like the right way forward for me. And that was I built an exceptional culture at Aiden and A. And when I say I built it, I did that by hiring like-minded people that, you know, were prepared to do what it they needed to do to ensure that the business was a success. And I've been challenged when I've talked about the whole like-minded individual thing before because people say to me, well, then then look at what's happened in Silicon Valley with all these, you know, these, you know, these white guys who are hiring more white guys and women are getting shut out. And I'm like, it's not about that. What I did when I say I I hired like-minded people I looked at their work ethic. I looked at their what they'd done. You know, something as simple as in America, were they were they working at a fast food chain or a retailer while they were putting themselves through college? You know, that shows somebody that's working hard to get where they want to go. You know, I I hired people based on their kindness and the way they were as humans rather than what they were skilled in. I Humour was a huge part of it. You know, you, when you're building a business in the beginning, you are locked in the trenches with these people for hours and hours and hours a day. You spend more time with them than you do your own family a lot of the time. So it was really important to me that anybody that I brought into the business is somebody that I'd want to spend time with and go to dinner with, you know. 
So I sort of hired individuals based on who they were as a human over who they were from a, you know, a career skill perspective. Mm, And I think that's a perfect way to go about it when you think about it. You can teach someone skills, but you can't teach somebody's attitudes and behaviours. That is exactly right. Mm. And that is how we built Aiden and Anae the way we did because these were smart people, smart, good, hardworking people who who just taught themselves. Look, to be clear, your business get once you're at 50 million, 60 million, 80 million, you need people with real, you know, specific skills within the business. And it's, you know, it's not like I hired someone that had never worked you know, with finances before to be my CFO. Like I'm not advocating that. Um, but, you know, I didn't bring on a CFO until, you know, we were doing uh, maybe about $10 million. Before that, my husband was helping me with it. I had a, you know, I had a controller on board. So you know, we just made do. Mm. So, great, Reagan, I'm actually curious, who has been your greatest influence throughout your time? I, I've never had a mentor, so to speak. There's never, you know, I've had a lot of people through my journey that have ended up being trusted confidants and advisors and things like that. Um, I think truly the from a business perspective, the real game changer for me was ironically my first private equity firm because my second private equity firm clearly were was not a good experience. But um, the Matt and Bob Seidler, who were the two partners that I worked with at Seidler Equity, I would say they probably had the biggest, you know, positive influence on me um, as a an entrepreneur and a CEO and someone who was building a business. Mm, wonderful. And if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Um. Don't know that I'd give myself much advice because I'm pretty happy where my life has taken me and God knows it was a jagged path to get here. So, you know, um, I know it sounds cliche, but all the mistakes and stupid things I thought and did along the way have ultimately got me to where I am. I think probably would be, you know, just relax. It's all going to be okay because there was a long period of time there where I had no idea where I was going and what I was doing. I was sort of just meandering through life and uh, that got pretty stressful at times. But, yeah, I think that um, if I had to say one thing, I'd just go back and be like, just relax, it's all going to be just fine. Mm, I love that. And and it's only once you go through, like you were saying, you go through those times where you, whether they're obstacles or whatever they may be they those things are our greatest learnings and um but it's it's how we respond and react to them so i like the way that you just said just chill out and relax as you're going through them yep that's uh that makes the most sense to me so reagan as we start wrapping up the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand what would be that one word for you Oh, the first word that popped into my head was champagne, but I don't think that's really what you're looking for. Well, I know. So, champagne <laughs> means a lot. It's bubbles, it's uplifting. Yeah. Fun, all those things. I do love champagne. So champagne, but then the other thing I would say is probably 
tenacious. Mm, love it, love it. And the last question as we wrap it all up, we love to ask our woman of inspiration to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? Again, sort of it's going back to what we have already talked about, that it would be, you know, work hard, find your passion and, you know, just follow your gut. Like, you know, the intuition part, that's, that's a very real thing. So, you know, don't ignore it. Oh, I think they're three solid, shiny, golden nuggets. Work hard, find your passion and follow your gut. So, Reagan, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? Uh, you can go to reaganmoyerjones.com. Uh, that's probably the the easiest. I'm, uh, you know, I'm also on Instagram, Reagan Moyer Jones. Pretty simple. There's not a lot of Reagan Moyer Joneses out there, so that worked out okay for me. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and your wealth of wisdom. I uh, really enjoyed my time and, and I love the, the variety that you bring. I love the whole, the moonshine, the baby wear, the book. It's, uh, you're a very colorful individual. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Katherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.